Oh yes, welcome to another episode of Hooked on Sports. This is episode number 120 of the great program. My name is John Flynn and thank you so very much for listening in once again this week. We have a lot to do this week and this is was one, one of the best weekends of sports that I've experienced in quite a long time and I'm going to be more specific on which one I'm I'm going to be on for in terms of madness later on. But I'm going to get into later on my official 2021-22 NHL predictions. We're going to lock them in. We're going to make it official. I'm going to give you the 16 playoff teams. I'm going to give you the teams that I have going to the Stanley Cup Finals. Of course, the team that will hoist the Stanley Cup at the in, in, at the end of June. We're going to get into some of the controversial stuff that went down with between the Red Sox and the Rays. We're going to get into... A couple of games uh, that really caught my eye across the National Football League. But I do want to begin today's podcast with with something that really caught my eye. Uh, things that really caught my eye across college football and the college football landscape. So without any further ado, we got lots to do today. We got lots of uh, games we have to cover and topics we have to discuss. So... Let's get to it. It is no secret that the ravages of Hurricane Ida have impacted so many people across the eastern United States, and people along the Gulf Coast and the Mid-Atlantic suffered the worst of this deadly storm. But now is your chance to help with the Red Cross. You can donate for hurricane victims by donating by mail to American Red Cross P.O. Box 37839 in Boone, Iowa, 50037-0839, by phone at 1-800-HELP-NOW, that is 1-800-435-7669, or online at redcross.org slash donate, and have your credit or debit card information ready to process the donation. All donations are are tax deductible. The American Red Cross is registered as a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Contributions to the American National Red Cross are tax deductible to the extent permitted by law. The Red Cross's tax identification number is 53-0196605. Now is your chance to help someone feel the comforts of charity now. Okay, so I was watching college football all of Saturday and that the, there were so many games going on that, that had that had uh, implications. So many games between the top teams in the uh, in the grand scope of the FBS. But I want to get I, I want to touch on a few of them and then we, we then we can do like a whole uh, recap and to and to put the college football setting as of today in perspective. So, I want to begin and with the sensational job that that Jimmo Fisher and his Texas A&M Aggies did with taking down Alabama because if you looked at the ebb and flow of that game and so it it was clear that that A&M wanted this game more and 
And and I thought A and M came out swinging. They came out aggressive. The, the they 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 said no eps given uh, against Alabama. And this was part of the, the vision that Jimbo Fisher had uh, when 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 he took over the job at Texas A and M. Sure, they're not going to be relevant in terms of the national championship conversation or the college football playoff conversation because. They have two losses, albeit two uh, two losses within the SEC. That when that game to Arkansas that they lost, and then that they they lost last week before um, their game here. So, the, but Texas A&M was was the number six team in the country um, go, going into the season via the preseason polls, and the first three weeks they they looked like a team that could seriously challenge Alabama, and now and then the. And then the the uh, the, the rankings didn't go in their favor because the, because of the two losses they took, but Texas A and M has a complete team that they, they were they were able to uh, to uh, beat Alabama in so many different ways in in terms of in terms of game preparation the offensive line was excellent I I, I thought the receivers were excellent. And, and the, the play calling I thought was fantastic, and, the, and that sequence in the end at the end of the fourth quarter regulation that that is something co coaches would die to, to see that that ha have us uh, have a long situation and then then to draw up a play just so the defender uh, can uh, can. Uh, can be called to pass interference. That was a that was a plan that worked to perfection. And then of course Texas manipulated the clock, forced Alabama to burn its timeouts, and, and the winning field goal, and, and and the in College Station in Texas was was just uh, uh, looked like bliss if you are a fan of the Aggies. And 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 let's be honest here, I was I was watching the ebb and flow of the game that when Alabama went up, uh, when Bryce Young uh, threw that touchdown, and then. The two-point conversion to put Alabama up 38-31. I said there was a. I thought the game was over. That Alabama had all the momentum. They had all the five-star recruits. They had all the. Uh, they and they had uh, the the vibes going for them on their way to an undefeated season and a national championship season. So, but but A and M had no uh, had other plans and 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 I just thought the the grit and the resiliency. Uh, of AM was just something to uh, something to behold in 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 the eyes of the viewer and 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 I and I could not be any more happier than Jimbo Fisher first time in, uh, ever that a Nick Saban assistant a former Nick Saban assistant defeated the old boss I thought the, 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 this is something that's been coming for a long time Lane Kiffin couldn't do it Kirby Smart uh, couldn't couldn't do it and and Jimbo Fisher is finally able to get it done on what I believe was his fifth attempt against Nick Saban. So well, a a a banner day for Texas A&M. But there were so many other games so that 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 were just thrilling. And I, Iowa made a made a sensational statement knocking off Penn State on Saturday in uh, in Iowa. And I thought the I I didn't think there was there was any good quarterback play whatsoever except for except for Petrus in the second half rallying his troops um to to a, to a victory there. But Penn State has a quarterback problem. Both of their quarterbacks threw two interceptions and 
and and the, the starting quarterback got hurt. Even even then, he threw two interceptions. Iowa was only able to com- uh, convert a field goal in 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 the first one, so, and, and that and that's a credit to Penn State's defense and the, and the defense that James Franklin has built up over the course of, of his of his decade long um uh, de- decade long period there. And and I and I thought watching that watching the game, I thought Penn State was going to win the game, and uh, then I then I had dinner, I had to step aside, and then boom, I Iowa comes back. The I the Petrus throws the game winning forty four yard touchdown with six minutes left to give Iowa uh, Iowa a twenty three twenty lead, and then this then it was all about the defense making the critical stops, and 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 then Penn State never really had a chance. Uh, against against that defense with within the last uh, couple uh, three three four minutes of the game when they were back when they were backed up and they really couldn't move um, the ball with any authority whatsoever. So uh, so Iowa is is now number two, and and they they look they look like the class of the Big Ten, and which I think is a significant deal if you are a fan of the Hawkeyes. How about the game? between Texas and Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl on Saturday. That was an epic game. And and, and same thing too. O- Oklahoma was down 28-7. to And and you know what I said? It's over. Uh, there was absolute, an absolute no-show by Oklahoma in the first quarter in the Red, in the Red River rivalry game. But uh, but I I thought they they did a fantastic job and and they they they, they crawled themselves back into the game and I thought Texas played way too conservatively in, in the second and third quarters that and and, and then eventually they, they would get their offense to wake up again and they, and and how about the the incredible uh, t- touchdowns that. Um, o- Oklahoma was able to score For, first off uh, on uh, down 41-33. How about the amazing catch uh, w- in which the which the laces w- almost touched the uh, the out of bounds, which uh, which would have prevented the touchdown. And then Kennedy Brooks ran for a go ahead touchdown to make it 48-41 with I believe it was with three of uh, three minutes to go. That then Texas drove down the field. Um, and then they scored a touchdown with a minute 20 left. And I thought at the time, they, they left too much time left for Oklahoma. And then, and then the Sooners go down the field. They have, they have a, they're at the 33-yard line with 8 seconds left. And I thought they, they were just going to spike the ball and kick the field goal. But no, 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 no. Kennedy Brooks, so he, he runs for a 33-yard touchdown with three seconds left to give Oklahoma a 55-48 lead and the subsequent victory. That was a sensational game, and that was maybe the best game of the Red River rivalry uh, from what I'm concerned. I don't don't follow Texas or Oklahoma football with a passion, but with Oklahoma being being relevant once again, this is is a game uh, in terms of the playoff conversation, this was a game that needed to be discussed here and how and how and, and how about games uh, that were shootouts in which a hundred or more points were scored how about Ole Miss in Arkansas I that was a sensational game as well that that, that was uh, and uh, uh, there, there were analysts uh, that, that thought that with Arkansas down uh, down by a touchdown and then 
the, uh, Arkansas scores the touchdown with on the last play of regulation to make it 52 to 51. I thought the conventional wisdom, and I still, I still think, so the conventional wisdom was to kick the extra point and 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 send the game into overtime because Arkansas had all the momentum going in. I thought they they, they could just uh, uh, the defense was already worn down enough for them to. So to continue putting points on the board in overtime, but but I digress. I could not believe that that Arkansas went went for two on on that possession uh, on that overtime. Ole Miss had had a defense uh, that 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 was stingy, no stingy enough for plays like and plays like that. And, and and then Arkansas is now is a two loss team, and their national championship dreams are pretty much over. And, and and that was that, but how about Notre Dame and, and Virginia Tech? That 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 was a that was an eye opening game, and no, Notre Dame switching back with, uh, with with Jack Cohn and Drew Pine and and um, Buchner. That 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 and that was uh, one one of the wackiest quarterback situations I've seen from a team that uh, that won that won a game in a tough environment against a tough team in Virginia Tech and. I give give Virginia Tech a lot of credit. Uh, they they hung around a, a lot dur- during the game, and in fact, they had a, a they they had an eight point lead. That then Notre Dame go, goes on to score a, a score a touchdown. The court a quarterback um uh, puts it puts it in to make it a two point game, and then on the two point conversion, I had no idea how uh, how um a and how um. Notre Dame was able to score that two-point conversion. Virginia's secondary on, on that specific play, what was so uh, was so tight in coverage that I I thought it was it was going to be one of those cases where Notre Dame threw threw a, a good thing away, but then um but then the receiver uh, get gets past the defender. And it's open enough to uh, and to da- dash down uh, down the toward the corner and secure the two point conver- uh, point conversion and then Virginia Tech gets the ball back and, and I I thought the the quarterback made made a tremendous throw on a second and eleven and and if the wide receiver made that catch with two minutes left I uh, Virginia Tech was going to go on and win the football game. And 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 the, the, that missed opportunity cost Virginia Tech, and then and, and then then Notre Dame gets gets the ball back out of time, uh, uh, gets the ball back, and then then they drive down the field. They're at the thirty yard line. They were stopped on a th- they they were stopped on a th- on third down, and then they had a forty eight yard field goal. I would have gone for it on fourth down if I was the Irish, just to give uh, Jack Dorer enough room to uh to make the winning field goal but so but I disagree with the decision but Dora made the field goal it bails out Brian Kelly bails out and bails out a B minus C plus performance from from Notre Dame and 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 and, and went on to uh, preserve, preserve the victory and and win the game so that that was something of note. Michigan uh, was able to come back and beat Nebraska, and then Georgia was able to, uh, in, in midst of all the chaos in college football on Saturday, they they look like a complete team. They absolutely dominated 
um, a, a ranked Auburn team. They won 34 to 10, and the game was the game. <clears throat> the game was essentially over before halftime. So, with all that, <coughs> with all that in mind, I'm going to say we should recap everything that went on in college football in. And just in just in terms of what we saw, shall we? Okay. So let's recap what we saw in the world of college football. We had six games featuring ranked opponents on Saturday decided in the last minute. We had a team in the Red River rivalry overcome a 21-point first quarter deficit and win on a 33-yard touchdown run in the tie game. We had an epic shootout. That was decided for a team going for a two-point conversion in an all-or-nothing scenario. We had a team overcome a 10-point fourth-quarter deficit in a Big Ten showdown that did not feature Ohio State or Michigan. We have a Big Ten team not named Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, or Michigan State, ranked number two. We had a team use three quarterbacks to somehow win a miraculous win in a true road game in a hostile environment. We saw the longest win streak in the FBS and on a field goal in front of 106,000 plus fans at College Station in Texas. We also saw the first former Nick Saban assistant to defeat the old professor. Jimbo Fisher believed before the season that he believed he could beat Alabama. Nick Saban was 23-0 against his former assistant coaches before Saturday Night's Thriller at A&M. And in fact, only two of the previous 23 such games came within 13 points. And BYU lost at home to an unranked team for the first time in over a thousand days. And Cincinnati is ranked number three at 5-0 and are a team that will be in the college football playoff if they win out in style. And Wake Forest is 6-0 for the first time since 1944. They are 4-0 in the ACC, and they're on the inside track to their first ACC championship in 51 years. And Kentucky is 6-0 for the first time since 1950. Coastal Carolina is 6-0 again. SMU defeated Navy in Annapolis for the first time in 23 years, and won their first six games of the season for the second time in three years, after going nearly four decades without such a start. These four teams are, are, are the only ones in college football that are 6-0, joining Georgia, Iowa, Michigan, Michigan State, Oklahoma, and UTSA as the 6-0 teams in the FBS. I've been watching sports now for 15 years as a fan, and in my experiences, I've never seen such madness in a single sport spanning so many games in such a, a, short, a short span of my lifetime. There, there is absolute proof that college football is back, and, and all the naysayers that said, oh, college football is going to uh, uh, have some hitches, everything is going to be um, shut down because of COVID. But no, college football is alive and damn well. That's sports. You gotta love sports. Until you don't. Okay, I want to get into a couple of things, a couple of, a few games that really took my eye on uh, on the NFL slate for week five in the National Football League. I want to touch on three games for, uh, for a second. I want to I touch on Rams-Seahawks, I want to touch on Packers-Bengals, and I want to touch on the Bills and the Chiefs from Sunday Night Football last night. So... 
So it, it is clear that that the Seahawks are are done. It's over for Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. The Seattle Seahawks have had uh, they they lost at home to the Rams, twenty six to seventeen. And it was a combination of, of everything. Bad offensive line. Their defense got exposed by the likes of Deshaun Jackson and Van Jefferson. I, I, thought, the, uh, I thought the play calling was atrocious. The in-game preparation was terrible. There, there were so many things uh, that, that I could say about the Rams. And Geno Smith actually gave him credit for, for, for actually play, playing somewhat well in this game. But... The, but this, these are the realities that Seahawks fans are going to have to deal with, and these are, and this is a, a conversation that some of the diehard Seahawks fans haven't had for a few years. But it's time for the conversation about the Seahawks and, and their downfall uh, uh, come, come mainstream, because the Seahawks are two and three. They're they're in, they're in the best division in the National Football League, where the Cardinals are five and zero, oh, and the Rams, who, who they just lost to, are four and one. And and uh, and there's and the Seahawks ha- are gonna be without Russell Wilson for, for presumably six weeks. So that means Geno Smith is going to be the starting quarterback for the for the Seahawks when they take on the Steelers in Pittsburgh on Sunday night. And and for for those of uh, that that have been looking looking at the Seahawks that that the last two off seasons uh, th- this is uh, m- my point of emphasis for. Um, oh, it comes to the Seahawks. The last two off seasons have just been dreadful. The last two off seasons have just been putrid, and and they they let guys go. The they they had to extend Russell Wilson. Um, I said I I they 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 need to keep Jadavian Clowney, and it was blatantly obvious last year they didn't have a pass rush without him. Uh, let, let, letting KJ Wright go in free agency what was an e- was an easy mistake first guess, and 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 Jamal Adams who just signed the contract extension, or uh, th- th- this went this this summer which I vehemently disagreed with, what what was what was a non-factor on on Thursday night against the Rams that that uh, he blew a couple of coverages and that that set up points for Matthew Stafford and the Rams. And and they have they don't have any depth when it comes when it comes to uh, to their defense behind Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams. This has been a terrible design. So and their draft picks haven't been hitting. Their um, it's their their inability to be successful on the offensive line has stemmed all the way back to when they traded for Jimmy Graham and they let I believe it was Russell Okun go. In in that trade, that 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 was a mistake. First guess. And how about the uh the um the the the, the um so this off season where where Russell Wilson Russell Wilson what was in was in trade conversations and and the and the first thing was going to be that Russell Wilson was going to be traded to the Chicago Bears. That that was the and that was bad enough. But now the Seahawks are going to see. What what it's like with, with, without having a top five quarterback in the NFL under center and the, the, the this is so, the Seahawks fans deserve better than this that I everyone thought this was gonna gonna be an incredible thing with Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and the marriage of coach and quarterback but no 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 that's not going to be how how this thing ends Russell Wilson is not going to win another championship with Seattle because. 
and they're, they're, they 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 don't have much in the way of draft uh, draft capital. And by the way, they traded their first round pick to, to the Jets for for this past draft, and 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 again for the, the this this year's draft upcoming. So the Jets might could potentially have two top ten picks in this year's draft, and also. And, and and also uh, the, their inability to adapt to uh, to the 2021 NFL as compared to the 2015 or 2014 NFL that that that's that that's a, a terrible thing for the Seahawks to do as well. So so the see it's over for Pete Carroll and, and Russell Wilson of the Seahawks and and but the Seahawks fans should always appreciate that and that they they have the, the they have the championship and they have the Super Bowl but it, it's it's it, it really is the end of the line here when you look at the Seattle Seahawks the next game I want to talk into a little bit in depth is the game between the Packers and the Bengals on Sunday and that was one of the craziest finishes I've ever seen and it, it, was, it was kind of reminiscent of I don't know if you guys remember there was a game between the Seahawks and the Cardinals the game was tied at six going into overtime and then I and then the the Cardinals kicker I uh, uh, had a 24 yard chip shot field goal for a chance to win the game and then he it hits the upright uh, the, uh, the left post and it turned out to be an unsuccessful game winning try and then and then Seattle went down and I think Hauschka was still the kicker for Seattle back then and he had like a, tw- a 30 yard field goal attempt and he shanked it wide to the left and. The game ended in a 6-6 tie, and Al Michaels said, if there was any game that deserved to end in the tie, it was this one. Well, we almost had that with the Packers and the Bengals on Sunday. I, first, first of all, the first four quarters of the game, I thought, were excellent. And the Packers going back and forth, uh, the, the Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase um, a connection was excellent. And Jamar Chase had the 77-yard touchdown, and then... Yeah, he had another touchdown uh, that was called back due to him being down by contact. But 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 not, non, nonetheless, they they traded jabs. Um, Cincinnati scored a touchdown, a two point conversion to tie the game at twenty two in the fourth quarter. Then the Packers go down the field and 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 and, and Mason Crosby. What what a wild day for him! He he misses a field goal. Uh, just just before the two minute warning, and I thought at the at that time the Bengals were going to win the game, right? Because so because Joe Burrow has, hasn't had been moving the ball across across the Green Bay defense without Jair Alexander, and, and and they were they were in a position to kick the winning field goal, and then and and, and then then um the, the, he misses the field goal with uh with thirty seconds or so to go. It gives the Packers the ball back. And and then and then then the Rodgers makes one completion down the field to set up a potential a, a second chance for Mason Crosby. And then he misses it um, to, to end the game. And then and then another missed field goal by um by sin uh well before more missed field goals. Joe Burrow the first possession uh, first play of overtime. He he throws a gruesome looking interception to uh to Wilson. Th- th- then the Packers go three and out, and then another field goal try 
This uh, this one from 40 yards out, he sh he, Crosby shanks that one to the left. Then the Bengals go down the field, and and McPherson, who had already kicked two game-winning field goals um, as time expired during uh, at home during the season, so tries it again, and he shanks one just to the left at 49 yards, in which he was trying to celebrate. And then, and then the Packers finally get it done. Aaron Rodgers throws a pass to Randall Cobb on third and 16 to set up a 49-yard field goal after the two-minute warning. And the Packers won a doozy. And then, but I give Cincinnati a lot of credit. I think Cincinnati it, it, it ha is, is showing that they have building blocks toward being a contender. I, I thought Zach Taylor did a really, really nice job throughout the course of the game. Um, uh, hanging his team in there that after an onslaught by the Packers offense in the second quarter, the defense held their own and I thought their defense did a really, really nice job. A really, really nice job. Von Bell, Jesse Bates, uh, they, they were, in, uh, they were strong on defense, but Adrian Amos came up with, uh, with, with big plays and, 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 it was so, so much to, to to look forward to uh, on that on that point. The Devondre Campbell had a big interception in overtime, but I I think in in the end it comes down it came down to the better quarterback and Aaron Rodgers showing why he he, he is a clutch quarterback and 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 the Packers don't get into that situation in the first place without the the Aaron Rodgers to Randall Cobb though and remember Randall Cobb. So it came over because the Packers, uh, were, because Aaron Rodgers wanted him back for the last hurrah in Green Bay, and and that that tells you a lot about how Aaron Rodgers has evolved as a player and as a character in the NFL for for so many years. So that that was tremendous stuff by the Packers. And one fi and one final thing, I want I want to get across. How about the game between the Bills and the Chiefs? That that was just pure. Total domination by Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, and, and and the Buffalo Bills, but put themselves in a position as the leader in the clubhouse in terms of representing the AFC in the Super Bowl, and and all these throws were just majestic, but by, by by Josh Allen, the 61-yard bomb to Stephon Diggs, and then Dawson Knox 53-yard touchdown right before the half to make it a two-possession game, and then and then. And Josh Allen, 315 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 15 of 26 passing from from, from the field. I've, I, I, and now about the the Josh Allen, the runner as well. He ran for a touchdown early, and then 11 carries, 59 yards of, of, of on the day. The, the the Bills offense just just decimated the, uh, the Kansas City defense, which really couldn't make any stops at all whatsoever. The Kansas City defense has a lot of problems, and I, I'm not sure if, if these are going to be fixable anymore, so, but uh, but so much to love if you're the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, uh, how about him getting Emmanuel Sanders? Two touchdowns, 54 yards receiving, including a 35-yard touchdown. That, that, that was an incredible... And, and and me meanwhile, if you are the if you if you're the Kansas City Chiefs, you have to wonder what the hell is going on with their defense. That that that, that was just an atrocious, atrocious effort on defense by by everybody. And, and the the biggest pause I had before 
picking Kansas City preseason to win the Super Bowl. They're not winning the Super Bowl this year. What 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 is their defense? I I didn't know how how bad they they, they would be, but. Looking at, but the, but not everything is 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 all bad right now. If you are a fan of the Chiefs, because the, the they because their, their schedule is in, in in a little while is going to get softer soon because they have a game against Washington next week. I think they should be able to win that game, and then and then they do have a Monday night game against the Giants coming up, and the Giants with all their injuries to their offense that should be a win. And then they have Vegas, and they have. Uh, and uh, I think, but I think Kansas City is eventually going to start winning on a more consistent basis. But I think you need to put the Buffalo Bills in the conversation as teams that can represent the AFC in the Super Bowl, and and that was a tremendous stuff for the Bills. Other games I wanted to to, to briefly touch on the incredible game between the Chargers and the Browns, forty-seven to forty-two, Austin Eckler with three touchdowns. And and Justin Herbert wielding himself, wielding his team to victory. That that was sensational, sensational stuff. The, the, how about the Steelers? They they took care of business against the Denver Broncos. Uh, the the Eagles went into Carolina and took down the Panthers. Uh, the the Patriots uh, wound up beating the Texans. The Bears make a statement. They they beat the Raiders. The Cardinals five and zero. So, so and then the then of course the the Cowboys the bludgeoning the Giants and Daniel Jones got hurt set with a concussion. Saquon Barkley has an ankle injury. Kenny Galladay left with a knee injury. So I and so that's a a, a a a a lot of stuff that went on week five across the National Football League. It is no secret that we are all over the last eighteen months of the COVID nineteen pandemic. But with the highly contagious Delta variant circulating around the country, we need our folks vaccinated more than ever, so we can go back to fully enjoying the freedoms and fun that we're used to. For more information and to find where the vaccines are being administered, please go to vaccines.gov online to find a location near you. Yeah, and I want to give you some uh, some of the nuggets that I took away from the, the MLB playoffs so far. First off, no surprise, the Red Sox beat the Yankees. The Red Sox had the managerial advantage, and now the Yankees will have have a lot of questions to answer about about um whether or not Aaron Boone is going to be retained after the beyond the season because his contract expired and. We'll see how the how the Yankees handled from there, and I and I I thought the the Red Sox were so dominant. It started with Xander Bogarts hitting the home run in the second inning, and and then and then and the Red Sox were able to win that wildcard game against Garrett Cole without J D Martinez. And how about the uh, National League wildcard game? That was an epic battle that lasted all the way. In, into the bottom of the ninth inning, uh, both teams uh, had tremendous pitching performances. Max Scherzer um, uh, didn't have his best stuff, but he still managed to only give up just one run on a wild pitch. And then Adam Wainwright was excellent. The only the only blemish on his number was the home run to um, Justin Turner to lead off the bottom of the fourth inning of that game. So it's set up Dodgers Giants in the NLDS. 
and it's set up Red Sox Rays in the ALDS. So I want to go through each of the series and I'll tell you what I've taken away so far. First off, I'm going to start with the Houston Astros and the Chicago White Sox. Astros dominated the first two games in Houston. That Altuve, Correa, Tucker, they were, they were all um, big-time players for the Astros. And then and Lance McCullers in Game 1 was just magnificent. And then, then Game 3 last night in Chicago was uh, was all White Sox. And, and everybody was able to contribute. It was a really long game, by the way, because I was switching back and forth between that game and then to see when, when the Bills and the Chiefs would return to action. But... The the game last night was was ridiculously long. It, it if it, let me see how how long it lasted here, but it it took a really really long time, um, uh, in in any stretch of the ima- imagination. And the ga- the game took four hours and twenty seven minutes to complete. So the game really didn't end until. Uh, cl- close to uh, around midnight local time because I think the game uh, the game started in the eight o'clock hour. I I think cl- close to eight thirty I believe when it came to um it came to that game. So but the White Sox were dominant. Every everybody contributed for for the White Sox and. And and the and yes, there was that 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 wacky play in the fourth inning where uh, uh, Guriel th- uh, threw tr- tried to throw a runner out, but then Osmani um, Grandal was out of line there. But it, it turned it turned out not to be relevant in terms of the game result. Um, so, so game four will actually uh, that series will actually be tomorrow because. Uh, the teams announced that today's game was going to be postponed due due to rain in in the Chicago area. Um, let's go to the other series in the American League, the Rays and the Red Sox. And uh, the the Rays were the, the Rays were dominant in Game One, and then the Red Sox offense of uh, uh, keeps firing on all cylinders. They brought back JD Martinez. He was able to be on the roster because so he was healed from his injury. And and JD Martinez uh, delivered the goods. The Red Sox hit, hit a bunch of home runs in Game Two on Friday night in Tampa. It was a fourteen to six bludgeoning after Jordan Luplo hit a grand slam in the first inning for Tampa, and and the, the Rays weren't able to hold that one. But how about the sequence of events in last night's game, which which was just which which was just mind boggling for. For baseball, so the game was tied at four. The race tied it with a couple of runs in the eighth. So then they go to the bottom of the thirteenth, and uh, and there's there was a run around first with uh, I think with one out, and then so then the and the guy is all line liner into deep right field, and, and it, it went off the wall. It it touched it, it then it bounced onto the Red Sox uh, Red Sox player, and then it went 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 into the bullpen, and it was ruled a ground rule double. But the 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 rule was um it it should have it, it it's a double. But what what would have happened if if the ball didn't go uh didn't go over the wall again is that the Rays would have scored 
it would have been five for Tampa, and the Rays would have gotten an extra round to maybe deliver, uh, to knock in a, a run in, uh, knock in a run from second there. That 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 was just bad. And then of course Kike Hernandez uh, delivers the goods to Boston in the bottom of the thirteenth with a walk off home run, and the Red Sox won last night. 6-4, and they have a chance to close out the, the race tonight at, at at Fenway Park with Tampa ha- Tampa's pitching uh, situation messed up because the game went 13 innings last night. So, so, so a, a lot to look forward to for, for for that series. And then, how about in the in the in division series, the Dodgers and the Giants? That that that's that's proven to be an absolute show so far. The Giants won Game One thanks to seven and two thirds brilliant innings from Logan Webb, in which he only gave up five hits, he struck out ten, and he didn't walk a single batter. And and the Giants went on the win for nothing because they got home runs, basically home runs from Chris Bryant, from Buster Posey in the first inning that landed in McCovey Cove. Chris Bryant hit a home run at the bottom of the seventh, and then Brandon Crawford put the icing on the cake in the bottom of the eighth to win Game One. And then the Dodgers just dominated Game Two, and and they they were all over Kevin Gossman, and 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 it was it was a total team effort there. The Dodgers beat the Giants nine to two. So Max Scherzer is going to pitch for Sam for the the Dodgers today, and I think the Dodgers will win Game Three. I think the Giants will bounce back and win Game Four, and then. But then a game five to decide a berth of the National League Championship Series, I'll take the Dodgers in in a potential game five. I can't I can't wait to see how that that series transpires. But the Dodgers acquiring home field advantage is pretty significant here when you look at it from the, the from the perspective of uh, of uh, having having the crowd in their favor. And then how about in the in the Braves Brewers series? So the f- first two games were full were full of zeros, and the the, the Brewers took game one by a, a the the Brewers took game one of the best of five series on on Friday by a two to one score. Rowdy Telez Sam hit the clutch home run in the bottom of the seventh to give the Brewers a two to one lead, and then Josh Hader. Uh, came in and he uh, he put uh, a couple of runners on and then he got Orlando Arcia to ground out to end game one, and then game two it it was all it was pretty much all Atlanta. Max Freed was absolutely positively dominant. Um, it's, it's six innings, nine strikeouts, zero walks, and Brandon Woodruff wasn't wasn't exactly uh, on his best game best game there. He gave up three runs, including. Uh, including a home run to Austin Riley, he he gave up a couple of run scoring hits to a uh, Freddie Freeman and Ozzy Albies, uh, and th- th- those basically uh, the, the the engine that has driven the Atlanta offense in the second half, and and they, they it's a great job today uh, against the Brewers uh, as of the time of this recording, the Braves were up three nothing going into the bottom of the eighth inning and. And and all, and all the offense came for the Braves in the bottom of the fifth inning, thanks to a three-run homer off the bat of John Peterson. And I, I did not think this was a, a, going to be a big surprise here, uh, because I thought the Braves' uh, pitching staff played uh, pitched really well 
in the, in the second half, uh, which which I think was grossly overlooked and is a big reason why the Braves are relevant in this series. Ian Anderson pitched five scoreless innings today, and 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 looks like the the Braves are on their way to a victory here. So. Uh, so the Braves are went away from knocking off the Brewers, but listen, the Brewers were a flawed team at the start of the season. Obviously, they they, they had as big a strength, uh, uh, their strength was at as big a strength as any team had in in baseball so far, uh, uh this season with their with their elite pitching staff and and their and their strong defense, but uh, but th- their inability to swing the bat is killing the Atlanta uh, the Milwaukee Brewers here when when you, when you look at. Uh, their ability to get past the Braves and go on to the National League Championship Series. Okay, so I want to lock in my 2021-2022 NHL predictions right now. I'm going to begin with the Atlantic Division. The Atlantic Division is fantastic uh, with and it's top-heavy. With Tampa, Toronto, Florida, and Boston. But give me Tampa to take care of business in the Atlantic Division. I have Florida finishing in second. I have Toronto finishing in third. And the Bruins will be wild card number one in the Eastern Conference. Let's go to the Metropolitan Division. This one was a tough one between the Canadian, between the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Islanders. But... I think the Islanders are a team that's built for the postseason. So naturally, I think Carolina is more built for the regular season. People forget the Car- the Hurricanes had one of the best records in the NHL last year. They were 36-12-8 during the regular season. And, and I think they-, they bring back a lot of pieces that-, that made them successful, made them dangerous. So I'll take the Carolina Hurricanes to win the division. The Islanders were in second. The, the toughest draw between for everybody was who was going to make the playoffs f- f- from that division. And I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Flyers as the third place team. And then the Rangers with the, with the second wild card in the, in the Eastern Conference. I think the Flyers have had a fantastic offseason. I love the additions of Ryan Ellis and, and Cam Atkinson. I think that the Flyers, after, after everything last year, I think that they just need Carter Hart to be a little bit better, and I think the Flyers should be in a, in a very good shape. And then the Rangers. I, I, I did not agree with a lot of the stuff the Rangers uh, did during the offseason, but, but, but I digress. They, they were one of the better teams in the second half of the regular season last year. I think the Rangers... Uh, with, with our Artemi Panarin, excellent job extending Mika Zibanejad for eight years. That was announced yesterday. I think the Rangers are going to snap their their postseason drought and they get and they get into the playoffs. In terms of the Western Conference, let's start with the Central Division. Now, I have the uh, the Colorado Avalanche winning the the uh, the division, and. I have the Winnipeg Jets making the playoffs. I have the I have the uh, Nashville Predators. Uh, I I don't I didn't agree with a lot of stuff they did, but I still think uh, that they are a winning culture. So I'm going to pick Nashville to make the playoffs, and then the Minnesota Wild will will get in as the first wild card 
in the Western Conference. And then in in and then the last division is the uh, the Western uh, the Pacific Division. I I love Vegas to win the division. They they and they they kept a lot of their team together. I think Edmonton with McDavid and Jaitsal, they're they're excellent too. I think it's going to be Vegas one, Edmonton two. I have the Seattle Kraken. The 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 Kraken have a, a lot of good players. They have a lot of leadership players. I love how they they, they tagged former Islander Jordan Eberle as an assistant captain, and and Philip Grubauer. He's fantastic, but uh, but fantastic pick behind uh. In front of that, I think this is the recipe for the Seattle Kraken to make the playoffs, and I'm gonna pick the Calgary Flames as the uh, as the fourth a uh, uh, fourth wild a uh, fourth place team, and they'll be the second wild card in in the West. I think I I still think Calgary ha has a lot of thing uh, a lot of good things going for them. Uh, I I like their coach. I like. Uh, uh, some of their skill players and particularly their forwards. I think Calgary gets in uh, and and is the beneficiary of a weak Pacific Division. Now I'm only going to pick the Hart Trophy recipient among among all the awards. So I'm going to pick Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers to be the the Hart Trophy winner and be the MVP here. And and then in terms of the conference finals, I'll I'll just go right to the conference finals. I'll take the Carolina Hurricanes over the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'll take the Colorado Avalanche over the Vegas Golden Knights in the Western Conference Finals. And then give me the Avalanche over the Panthers in the Stanley Cup Finals. And that will do it for today's episode. To uh, come back here later in the week, Wednesday, I will be going over week five, week six in the National Football League coming up, and I'll make my picks and predictions against the spread there. Remember, you can follow this podcast on Twitter and on Instagram at jfliz uh, at hooked underscore on sports, and you can follow my personal Twitter at John Flynn 97 and you can follow my personal Instagram at jflizzy. So, that'll do it. So, let, let, let's keep the uh, the ball rolling. We're coming up on a, on 2 years since this podcast first came out back in October of 2019 and and I'll be looking forward to uh, to more then. You could also follow the Facebook page for our multimedia content related to the to the podcast so until then this is john flynn saying so long i'll be back here on the podcast on wednesday goodbye everybody